This is Thoughts on the Table by DisgracesOnTheMenu.com. Hello and welcome to the audio blog. Paolo here again for another episode. And uh, today I have a special guest with me, Frank Fariello from uh, the fantastic blog Memoria di Angelina. Hi Frank, good morning. Hey Paolo, how are you doing? Good, thanks so much for accepting to connect with me. Oh, it's an honor. Pleasure. Frank accepted to uh, be interviewed and uh, I have prepared a lot of questions. I'm sure like me, you'll be very interested uh, to know his answers. We want to know a lot more about you, Frank. So, uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start from, uh, of course, from you. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Why not? Uh, my name is Frank, as you know. Got a giant last name, Fariello. And I am from New York originally. I was born in, in New York City, actually, but lived uh, in the suburban part of New York for most of my childhood. Um, I am a lawyer by training and by mm -hmm. profession and still continue to practice law. Um, but I've spent a great deal of my adult life outside of the United States. I actually... Um, took some time off. I was thinking about leaving the law at a mm. certain point in my time. I had about 10 years under my belt as a corporate lawyer in New York and was kind of tired of the rat race, you know? I see. So I took some I was thinking about going and becoming a professional chef. I, you know, cooking oh. had always been my, my passion. So I actually went first and lived for a few years in Paris uh, at the time because there are great hotel schools, as you probably know, in mm -hmm. Switzerland, in the French-speaking part of the country. So I was, my plan was to go to France, perfect my French, and then go on to, uh, to Lausanne, actually. Mm -hmm. And as you know, one of the great Italian chefs at the time uh, was a Milanese named Guarquero Marchese. Oh, yeah, of course. Super famous. You remember him, very mm -hmm. famous. A little bit controversial, I understand, among some Italians. They called him Il Francese because he had a certain oh, different way of uh, approaching Italian cooking. But I, I found him, I had studied his work and mm -hmm. found him quite inspiring. And I knew that he had gone to Lausanne, to the cooking school there, and wanted to kind of follow in his footsteps. In any event, was there for a couple of years, then lived in Vienna for a couple more years. At that point, I had returned to the practice of law. Um, some old colleagues from, from New York had convinced me to uh, get back into the profession, and uh, they were based in Vienna and Moscow. So I was doing some work there. And then um, in about 1995, so this is going back a mm -hmm. few years, I saw an ad in the paper for an international organization based in Rome, and I'd always been interested in, of course, I'm in international law of our trade, but I was always interested in working in an international organization. Mm -hmm. And I applied, and uh, only nine months later, I was hired and went down there and spent, uh, spent 10 years uh, living in Rome. In Rome, in Rome, yes. Yeah, and that was a fantastic thing. I'd always kind of wanted to, it sounds like a cliche, of course, but wanted to sort of discover my roots, as they say. Mm -hmm. And my roots are not in Rome, they're farther south uh, in Campania and Puglia, but still, mm -hmm. it was a great opportunity, so I took it. So very interesting that you uh, were at one point pursuing the career of uh, mm -hmm. becoming a chef. Yes. And consider changing entirely, you know, it takes a lot of courage to, to do that. I'm not surprised that you were pulled mm. back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it takes a lot of courage, and maybe that's why I didn't do it ultimately. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, but but you did do something, something else. Uh, you started writing this blog, mm -hmm. who has become uh, the most popular blog about Italian food uh, today. 
so it is a fantastic achievement and obviously speaks to the quality of your work. So I'm not surprised to see that your interest went that far to bring you to Paris. So that's um, that's really it makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> well, well, thanks. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it is a great. That's one of the great things about the blog because it allows me to kind of enjoy that world and live in that world um, without, of course, the. Uh, the backbreaking work and the, and the horrendous hours of actually being a restaurateur. <laughs> I see. Well, I'm sure it takes up a lot of time anyway, uh, but certainly it is a different activity. Yes, I can see that. Yeah. So when did you start uh, Memoria di Angelina? Well, it actually started out um, when I joined Facebook. Oh, uh, I didn't set out to be a blogger, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I, I, I joined Facebook, and like a lot of people on Facebook, I started discovering old friends from high school and college and law school and all the rest of it. And um, I decided I want to share some recipes with my friends. So I started posting recipes to my profile, mm -hmm. you know, and that was a lot of fun, and people were enjoying the recipes and all of that. Uh, but I was kind of frustrated by the platform. It wasn't really as flexible as I wanted mm -hmm. it to be and the rest of it. And so I kind of cast around and I decided to start a blog uh, just for my friends initially. That was the, the <laughs> only ambition I had just to kind of continue sharing those recipes but do it in a way that was kind of easier to get, get mm -hmm. the point across. Um, and um, I don't know. The rest is history. It just kind of got, got some attention. And next thing I know, I'm, uh, five years later, I'm still blogging. Yes, and, and thank you for that. Uh, yeah. uh, it's a great, uh, great resource for, for me uh, as, a, as a cook and, of course, a, a great point of reference um, that I often quote um, to talk about what I talk about, uh, mm. which is authenticity and talk about Italian food of Italy today, mm. which is something that has become sort of my, my battle, um, so to speak. <laughs> to try and fix Italian food in North America. Um, as you know, my battle is against um, the type of Italian-American food that is not advertised as such. I have respect for Italian-American uh, cuisine, but um, I really think it should be, um, you know, um, called for what it is. Um, mm. I'm all for certification as well uh, to try and, uh, you know, whenever possible, certify Italian food um, continental Italian food of Italy today as such. And I, I applaud, uh, you know, any kind of certification like the Pizza Verace, uh, which is mm -hmm. a great association based in Naples that certifies around the world. And Tuscanicious, which, by the way, you were just recently awarded. Congratulations. Yes. Uh, well, thank you. I, that was that was a tremendous honor for me. It's a it's a it's a great kind of validation of the work I'm doing. And and the thing that was uh, most uh, gratifying in a way is, of course, my blog is about Italian food, all kinds, but it's not really focused on Tuscan cooking. So that was, in a sense, a, a surprise, but but a wonderful one. Yeah, no, it, and it, it is it is a great honor, and you deserve it so much. So yeah, authenticity is important, but I also find that many of those self-proclaimed Italian restaurants uh, simply serve food that is just plain bad food. Yeah. And that's yeah. really, really sad to me. And uh, I really think that um, there is such thing as good food and bad food in general. And in fact, a lot of my friends who actually have been to Italy uh, 
told me that they really liked the real Italian food so mm. much better, which may signify that there is an absolute va value to mm. flavor uh, in general. I don't know how you feel about that. Oh, no, I, I certainly agree. There's, uh, I mean, all kinds of cooking can be good, and I, and I enjoy all kinds of different kinds of cooking, mm -hmm. but there is such a thing as good food and bad food. I, I, I firmly believe that. I mean, I even as a kid, I remember uh, comparing the Italian food that you might have um, in a restaurant with the food that my grandmother made, and I knew that there was some, there were huge differences, <laughs> uh, and I knew I liked my grandmother's food a lot better than the stuff I was eating in a restaurant, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. I think to some extent, Italian food is a victim of its own popularity, mm -hmm. um, and, and restaurateurs, unfortunately, uh, some of them who should know better, others perhaps don't, uh, take advantage of that popularity mm -hmm. uh, in ways to kind of frankly, you know, to make a buck uh, on the cheap. I, I hate to put it that harshly, mm -hmm. but I think in some cases that's what it is. It's marketing. Yeah. yeah. Following a popular trend, like you, when you say Italian, it seems to sell more. Right now they start to say Tuscan or, yes. you know, Sicilian. Try to go down to the region, which makes it even more authentic. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. I, you know, I was, uh, I don't know if you know, um, Her name is Nicoletta Tavella. She's a, she's a blogger. She also has a cooking school in Amsterdam. And, and I heard a, an interview with her with a Italian radio or, or TV. I can't, can't remember which. And she was talking about some of the funny products that they sell in Holland. So this is not just North America where mm -hmm. this happens. And she was talking about Tuscan pesto. This was a... <laughs> Whatever that might be, I, who knows, but this is the kind of thing. Because, that, yes, as you say, Tuscan has that ca cachet. Never it mind does. that there's no, no such thing as Tuscan pesto. But anyway. <laughs> so, uh, so, Frank, speaking of um, authentic food, I would like to go back a little bit to your grandmother again. Because, mm. you know, you're, you're third generation um, Italian, but yet you seem to have such a precise image of Italian food. And, and yours is not distorted at all. I'm Italian, born and raised there. I spent my first 30 years there. And I, I, you know, I read you, uh, I really cannot detect mm. any difference in how I would describe it. You just describe it better than I would. So well, <laughs> it's true. Well, that's, that's very kind of you to say. Uh, well, I, you know, I think I have two, two advantages maybe over other kind of Americans or other foreigners who are, who are seeing it. One is I, I actually grew up with a giant cooking uh, of my grandmother. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a reason why my blog is called the way it is. Uh, it's, it's a tribute to her because she really imprinted those flavors on my palate, if I mm -hmm. can put it that way, uh, at a way. very, very tender age. So it's, it, it, it's so natural. And she was, she was special because she did not, of course she was first generation mm -hmm. and there's a big difference as you, as the generations proceed, of course, in terms of assimilation and adaptation, all the rest. That's uh, and she, made her dishes just as she learned them back in Italy in that small town in Campania. And, mm -hmm. and I, I verified that when I went to Italy and, and ate those same dishes, some of which I didn't realize existed outside my grandmother's kitchen, by the <laughs> way. I, I was kind of shocked to see them, on, see them on menus in store windows. I remember <laughs> once I was, it was around Christmas time and uh, we went down to the Amalfi Coast for, uh, for a vacation to get away from Rome a bit and And I looked in a pastry shop window and found my grandmother's honey balls, truffoli. I didn't, I had no idea they actually existed other than as an invention my grandmother had made. But she recreated all of those things and, and quite well, I think, mm -hmm. uh, given what she had to work with. Of course, she had to make some compromises because not everything 
terms of the ingredients and so on, uh, you couldn't yeah. find everything, especially back in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, yeah. And the other thing, of course, is I, I spent uh, 10 years living in Italy. That's, uh, that's irreplaceable, too. Yes. Um, you know, getting to know Italian cooking, especially Rome, because that's, that's where I was. But I like to travel a lot um, all throughout the country. And being a foodie, the first thing I wanted to do is try the local dishes. I used to ask people, what, what, you know, what should I try in all of this? And how do you make this? And I'm, and I'm a, an avid collector of cookbooks. So oh, I see. Anywhere I went, I always bought a little local cookbook to find out what the you know the local dishes were and try to recreate them when I got home and all of that. So. Yeah, and I love how you put these cookbooks as reference in in your mm. blog post whenever you can, um, yep. because there's such a thing as and you know you you can quote them and um, you know use the collective knowledge that you have accumulated into themselves. So, um, so. We were talking about adaptation and the fact that Italian food sometimes, um, as generations go by, um, changes, evolves. Um, Why do you think this is happening? Is it a matter of adapting to the local palate, or is it more the fact that the ingredients are not available, or that the ingredients are different? Yeah, that's a good question. I think originally, of course, it was availability of ingredients. I think, you know, if you look at first generation Mm -hmm. Italian Americans in particular, um, that was a big thing. Another thing was just to kind of, you know, I I sometimes talk about Italian American cooking as a kind of celebration of plenty. Mm-hmm. You know this these this immigrant cooking. So it's it's people who came from very humble backgrounds. And certainly, my family that, that was the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that they now could afford to have meat anytime they wanted. Right. You know this this kind of thing. Yeah. And so Sunday dinners were often kind of meat fests. You know <laughs> all kinds of. We'd have the uh, you know the pasta dish, and then we'd have, of course you'd make a Neapolitan ragu with sausages and mm-hmm. beef and all of these other things. Uh, we'd have that as a after that, and then another meat course would come after that, <laughs> usually roast chicken or something of this kind. So, so there's a lot about just kind of enjoying the fact you can afford to have all of this food um, that perhaps back home you you couldn't, but. That's, of course, the first generation. I think the second generation, it's a bit different. And and typically, you know, and and I saw this also, by the way, in reverse when I was living in Italy. Mm -hmm. Um, Children of immigrants put a huge premium on fitting in and assimilating Mm -hmm. and feeling that they were part of the country they were born in. Uh, Sometimes even almost in opposition to their parents' generation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you've seen I, this probably. I, I have too. seen this. Yeah, no, I, I know a lot of Italians. Uh, they have Italian last names, so I approach them in, in the workplace. Yeah, and often they actually they really reject uh, their origins. They don't speak Italian mm-hmm. pretty much by choice. Yeah, and uh, strange, but in a way, is assimilation it is forcing the, yourself to stop being typecast. You know, because I suppose it happens. Absolutely, and I think that that goes for the cooking as well, and then eating habits and the rest. So you kind of you want to be kind of more American than the Americans right. uh, if you're in in the states, mm-hmm. and that of course when you try to then go back and recreate the dishes, of course that's going to have an influence. Right. Um, and and of course by the third generation, of course I'm third generation. I think there's a oh, yeah. there's a there's a bifurcation here because there's some like myself who kind of want to recapture something. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Um, and then there are others who just kind of keep on going and proceed with, you know, further Americanization, if you like, to the point where you basically, you know, other than the name, they're more or less indistinguishable from any other American. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the problem is that some of them own a restaurant and they... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's when things go awry. Oh, I saw this thing uh, just yesterday. Uh, we were in this Italian um, cafe. I'm not going to say the name. Um, and they had Italian burgers. Okay. Starts, <laughs> you know, you don't see Frank, but he's shocked. Uh-huh. And, uh, and with the side of pasta, of course. Oh. And, uh, you know, I really... And I really like the place, actually. I go back there because they make really good um, omelets, actually. They, they cook something that is really not an Italian dish, but they do it really well, and I really like them. But then we, they do these things, just because they call themselves Italian, I think. Yeah, mm. there it goes. That's the marketing thing yeah. again. You know, you put a little bit of, uh, sprinkle a little oregano on top of it, or, uh, you know, a little melted mozzarella or whatever, and suddenly it's Italian, this or that. Yeah. Yeah, no, and what's even worse is when you throw in ingredients that totally don't fit with the dish. Like, you know, you, you just posted today your carbonara, and mm-hmm. you talk about, about cream as a common addition in North America into carbonara. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, um, that does not belong in the dish. It's totally not necessary. Changes it entirely. And, uh, you know, in, in this case, you know, the addition of ingredients is done in the attempt to, uh, I don't know, make the dish more rich, to make mm-hmm. it more flavorful. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think that's that's often very true. And in, in I agree about the cream. I think it actually... If anything, it takes flavor away. Maybe mm-hmm. That's another story. But uh, it, yeah, to make it rich and more. The, again, uh, this this celebration of of plenty that I talk about, um, it it can go a bit too far. It becomes almost uh, an overdoing, if you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it becomes extravagant sometimes. That, that's true. For example, the use of herbs and spices and so right. on, which in fact is not, as of course you know very well, not at all typical of, of good Italian cooking. Just the opposite. It's all about discretion and balance. And balance. And I think, you know, the problem probably is that the fewer ingredients you have, the more mm-hmm. they have to be right. They have to be yep. flavorful. And they have to have, to have the correct flavor. So maybe I'm thinking it could be that uh, sometimes uh, one adds more ingredients to try and compensate for the lack of flavor of your local produce, which is not, um, it wasn't grown in the same uh, sunny lands of Italy. Uh, I'm thinking <laughs> tomatoes as an example. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's the classic example, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the bane of Italians. Any Italians I talk to who come to the States or I'm, I'm sure Canada the same way. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, where are the good tomatoes? People are just, it's, it's an endless search. And of course, you, you know, the, you can find them if you yeah. go to farmer market. You have to really make an effort. Um, mm-hmm. But the great thing about Italy is you, you know, any old supermarket will give you wonderful produce. Um, of course, even better if you're great. I was very lucky because, you know, I, I spent most of my stay downtown. Uh, but for the last three years, we lived outside of town. I see. And in a in a kind of a rural area, mm-hmm. and we were able to. I grew my own vegetables, own tomatoes, oh, yeah. own zucchini. We even had hens, a hen house, and we got <laughs> eggs. If you've ever eaten eggs right from the hen, it's just something incredible. And I have. My grandmother had eggs, yes, from her chickens. And yeah, it yeah. was. Uh, you're right. Incredible. Mm-hmm. 
And so that, and we had peach trees too that were, you know, the peaches off right. the tree were something else. And of course, if you have a peach like that that's dripping and sweet and lovely, you don't need sugar on it. You don't need anything no. on it. It's just beautiful the way it is. And so I think you're very, you know, you're you're quite correct about how best quality ingredients makes, you know, lots of different extraneous flavors and so on mm-hmm. really unnecessary. Right. But if you don't have that kind of that kind of um, quality ingredients, then of course the temptation is to make up for it other ways, you know. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Frank, I wanted to also talk a little bit more about you uh, as a food blogger um, Mm -hmm. and the food blogging activity itself and and becoming so popular as you've become. So the the question that I have for you is, um, did popularity change you? Uh, Do you Mm -hmm. feel the pressure of uh, having so many viewers uh, to keep up and produce always more interesting and continue the volume of production of posts? Hmm. Well, I get yes and no. I mean, I, I do try to blog once a week mm-hmm. without fail, although there have been a couple of times when I've slipped for various personal mm-hmm. or professional reasons, but I do try to at least have that once a week blog. Uh, and I try to keep to that rhythm and not go beyond it in part because I don't want to raise expectations of people, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. I usually try to, uh, in the middle of the week, often on my Facebook page, I'll put an old post because the great thing about cooking, of course, is nothing goes out of date. Nothing, you know, it's yeah. not shoes. So you can you can take a post from two years ago and, and, and send it out there and people who haven't seen it before will enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do try to put new posts at least once a week. And uh, that's that's realistic for me. I have a you know I have a day job like many of many bloggers. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of envy those who can, you know, are kind of dedicated full time to the food business. That would be fantastic. But I'm not. So this is a kind of a hobby for me. Uh, and I think that's for me is realistic. I can do mm-hmm. it the weekend. I have time, generally speaking, and um, I try to stick to that because I know that there are people occasionally if I slip. I'll get a few messages like, what happened? <laughs> Where is this week's installment kind of thing? And, I, of course, I feel awfully guilty about that. I'm hungry. What happened? Yeah, right. <laughs> but I try to keep it realistic. So, I, you know, once a week is a realistic level for me. Mm-hmm. Do you get a lot of requests? Uh, people ask you for a certain dish? Yes, yes. I'm a lot. I wouldn't say a lot, but I do get requests from time to time. Um, and I try to kind of put that on my list. I have a kind of a blog plan. So I, mm-hmm. I do, and I'm kind of slowly making my way through it. I'm trying to hit kind of the, uh, all the kind of major dishes in the various regions. I have a, you know, a, one of the things, kind of the vision I have for the blog mm-hmm. is, I talk about this on my uh, on my blog itself, is I, more than a blog, I'd like to have it as a kind of online cookbook or a resource for people. Mm-hmm. So I am trying to be somewhat... If not comprehensive, because that's practically impossible when you're talking about course, a subject as vast as this one, uh, but uh, as complete as I can make it over time, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And and so I do have a plan that I'm following, and if you know if that request falls well within the plan, I'll do it. Occasionally, it'll be a request for something that's actually. Uh, not really Italian. That's the other mm, thing. Right. Um, and those sometimes I keep to the back because I do try to once in a while, usually on Columbus Day, I like mm-hmm. to feature an Italian American dish. And you know, normally 
if that request is uh, is not quite right, it's because it's an Italian American and not an Italian dish. And I say, okay, next okay. Columbus Day, I'll I'll feature that. Why not? Sounds good. Um, so you have a, a plan. Do you think you can just go on forever, just because it's such a vast, um, uh, you know, world? Yes. I, well, forever, perhaps not, but uh, I won't live forever either, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. I think it'll be a while so, until I run out of, uh, you know, I don't really need ideas in the sense that, unlike other bloggers, I don't really try to do creative things too much. I Occasionally. I, I, I try to bring my own take on a dish, you mm -hmm. know, if I'd like it, to make it a certain way, because... Dishes generally have lots of variations, of course, uh, especially the the more famous ones. And so I'll express my preference. I see. Um, so I bring that much of my own kind of personality to the dish, but I try to be faithful to the, you know, to the classic recipe. So that makes it easy in a way. I don't need to. I don't feel the need to invent things. I see. I see. I see. Um, and of course, the repertoire of Italian dishes uh, is is so enormous that uh, it'll be a while until I run out of uh, recipes. <laughs> Which is really fantastic. And I guess there are also many other ways to uh, to present your work. I saw you have a flip book. I think it's called now. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. it's become quite popular. It's it's kind of taken off. For for I'm pleasantly surprised. I, I kind of it, it was a kind of a lark. I did. I we had a snow day on Wednesday and decided, oh, let me put one together and uh, nice. seems to have caught on so fantastic i saw it it's really nice it's like uh it's like really a cook a digital cookbook um recipe book and uh yeah. and i love the format it's awesome yeah mm. yeah no i'm i'm quite pleased with it have you ever thought about actually publishing a, an actual book i get that question quite a bit um mm -hmm. i guess my answer is i'd love to but when would i possibly find the time this is the mm -hmm. this is the thing uh again having a day job makes it difficult uh mm -hmm. but you know if i ever feel like i can take a couple months off sabbatical maybe yeah. why not why not so looking forward to that Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to end this this interview. Thanks so much, Frank. It was uh, amazing, of course. With a like kind of a one last question about uh, your time spent in Italy. Mm -hmm. If I were to ask you now, you've been back for a few years now. What do you miss the most? Wow, that's that's an interesting question. I guess I mean if we talk about the food, I guess would be <laughs> one big thing. Um, And probably the biggest, I mean, from the point of view of someone who's so obsessed with uh, with eating and food as I am. But mm -hmm. uh, and the, as we were talking about the, the the excellent quality of the raw ingredients you have to work with, it makes yes. cooking cooking mm -hmm. so, in a way, almost too easy. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> I know I do know. Uh, you know, there's so yeah. little you have to do yeah. to those ingredients to make them taste good. Uh, it's it's fantastic, and and I guess there's a certain I mean beyond the food of course uh the beauty of the country um the 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 warmth of the people i mean that's a cliche but i think it's true people do well romans can be rough too huh there's <laughs> but they're always honest i think the thing is that um they're they may not always be polite but they're always themselves and i, I appreciate I that <laughs> fantastic thanks frank it was a great pleasure having you here Um, we'll keep in touch and absolutely uh, and maybe later on we'll have another chat together look forward to it Fantastic. take care now thanks so much again bye 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 bye